Dr. Philip Stiles, Director of Judge Business School Centre for International Human Resource Management. Thank you for talking to Judge Business School's white paper series of podcasts today. Uh, I know you've looked at the issue of pride and shame in the workplace. What do you think of Sir Fred Goodwin's £650,000 pension from RBS? Is that a good or a bad thing for society? I think on the whole it's a bad thing. I think we can't be seen to reward underperformance. And I think we can't be seen to reward complacency and arrogance. And I think Goodwin has shown both of those things. I know that you've looked at actually the positive side of shame, that you think shame has a role to play in the workplace and in society. That seems strange. Shame is a negative emotion. I think traditionally shame has been seen as negative. Um, But interestingly, I think there are some upsides to it. In particular, the desire of people to always try their best and not to let others down is an important aspect of motivation and I think that is one worth cultivating. So sometimes shame can work in a, in a positive way but the caveat to that is that one should never overemphasize shame. A, a background level of shame is, is important to maintain people's um, uh, motivation but too much can restrict their, their striving. Okay, so if we take a little picture we have of society and shame a couple of weeks ago when the bankers appeared before the Commons Select Committee to to talk about their role in what's happened in in the global financial crisis, they did uh, seem to express regret and they said sorry, but they didn't quite go far enough to say they were ashamed. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think there are two things here. One is the difference between shame and guilt. I think shame is associated with feelings about oneself and one's feelings about the inadequacy of oneself. And guilt is about the act. And from what I saw of that press conference or the uh, select committee uh, performance, I I saw Goodwin and the others really apologizing for the acts that they committed, but it didn't really seem to affect their view of themselves as important and impressive business people. And so... Would we be in a situation where if we did something that actually others thought was wrong and censored us for, that we might actually reconstruct ourselves if we felt shame? It might lead to change in our own life. I I think shame prompts us to think about our own beliefs and our own attitudes, which are very deep-seated within us. And I think that can often be an important thing. I think the, 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 the major thing with shame, I think, is that one doesn't retreat and withdraw from life or from work, that in a way shame encourages you to make reparation and to make good. And I think, to go back to the, um, to the banking example, I think you, you, you see people giving apologies, but not really acting towards making good or making reparation. And, and so how could there be a positive side to shame then? Is it the fact that we retrench, we think out our values, we reconstruct ourselves rather like uh, Sir John Profumo did, uh, uh, I think back about 30 years ago now? I, I think Profumo is a very interesting example of someone who, who, who takes uh, a very large um, event in his life which has huge implications for his self and his self-esteem. It was a sex scandal, wasn't it? It was, it was, and uh, one which at that time was hugely damaging. And in a way, he used that to completely reform his life. And I think, obviously, that's an extreme example. But there are other ways, other perhaps lesser ways, in which people can change attitude and change approach and, um, and often come out of this better. And I, the danger, of course, is that people just either they, they withdraw or they become angry. And I think we see some evidence of bankers becoming angry at the treatment they've been getting rather than look within and change their own behavior.
but there is a defence of the bankers in the sense that society, particularly at that select committee meeting, seemed to be scapegoating them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that they, they wanted everybody to make a loss and they wanted global economies to fall and their own finances to fail, as if. I think scapegoating is a huge problem. And I think certainly when the history of, the, of this crisis is written, um, we, may, we may look more... Um, in a more balanced way at some of these events and, and indeed some of the personalities involved. There's no doubt that, that there is some scapegoating going on. I think there's no doubt there's also some resentment going on in the minds of the public about some of these figures. And resentment is always a, um, a dangerous emotion, in, particularly in the minds of, of large groups. And so I think there is a lot, of, um, a lot of potentially overreaction to certain individuals, I think. But at the heart of it, I think this... Lack of taking responsibility for what has happened has um, has has really enraged individuals, and and the the lack of felt blame and felt responsibility has really um, made these made these events um, very highly charged. Now you are, as I said, director of Judge Business School Centre for International Human Resource Management. We've talked about a concept, you know, the banking crisis and moral shame. But how do you then, Philip, take that into the workplace? Because, you know, you mentioned the word felt there. That's an emotion. Surely uh, human resource management is about not having emotions. You know, they, uh, we used to uh, call it, well, human resource management, it, it, it's a, um, a distant term, isn't it? We used to call it people management. Mm. I, I think in, in managing people well, I think emotion is always a, a very strong element in that, particularly if you look at, say, issues of leadership, where people will follow rational goals, but they will also need to, be, need to have inspiration and um, energy and drive allied with that. And that often takes a huge amount of emotion, uh, both to inject that and both to receive it. I think, um, I think where shame can often help with, with managing people um, is in the socialization of people. And often when people enter an organization or they're part of an organization, they need to feel that actually they are um, on show and that if they do anything which is damaging to the organization or damaging to their team, that there will be some some sanction which will um, try and repair that situation. That sanction can either be in the form of... Um, you know, reduced uh, promotion opportunities or reduced salary or even, in the worst case, redundancy. And they're all shame mechanisms and uh, quite covert shame mechanisms, but they do work on that level. And so, in a way, the history of people management or human resource management has been based in large part on this, what we call, negative side of, emo- of motivation, that there are these mechanisms in place which, if people fall down, um, these, these emotions can come into play. But I was trying to get to the point that really over the past 30 years in the workplace, we've gone to a situation where if you went to your boss or even to the human resource team and said, I feel shame, they would say, well, that's an emotion, put it away. Right. In fact, the workplace you, almost doesn't want emotion. I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting question. I think in some ways the, work, the workplace does want emotion. So, for example, at a recent leadership event we were hosting, um, the major element of that leadership event was about passion. And passion is a very interesting issue. Uh, Organisations want passion. They also want commitment, and commitment is a highly emotional issue. Um, but at the same time, they, you're right, organisations shy away from negative emotions like feeling fear, like feeling anxiety, like feeling shame, like feeling guilt, because in a way organisations 
at that level are not geared up to help you cope with that. They encur- this is the paradox in a way. They encourage it. But if people feel it, they are very hard-pressed to really deal with it on an, on an individual basis. So at an organization level, organizations encourage shame um, primarily through the performance management system. But if individuals, as you say, come into an office and say, I feel guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, managers are very, very, they find that very hard to deal with. So you almost are saying through this paper on, on shame in the workplace that we need greater transparency in the future. I think, I think we need greater transparency. I think, again, transparency is, is, is interesting that the more transparent you are as an individual, for example, in an organization, the more potential there is for you to feel shame because then... If you are seen, your performance is seen and your goals are seen and your, and your um, outcomes are seen, then you can be judged and can be uh, graded and can be compared to others. And that encourages a feeling that if you don't measure up, then you will feel potentially shame um, for feeling that you're not good enough or you're letting others down. And so transparency works to that extent that it does help you sort out individuals and sort out where they are, but it also has this downside, which potential downside, um, which it encourages people to th- to feel, am I really good enough? And that can encourage shame. Now, the key question then is, does the shame either enable people to move forward and, and try and do better, or does the shame actually hold people back and withdraw? Just one thing, bon- Bonnie. I'll- and the banking crisis could, if people really didn't just say sorry but felt sorry, lead to, say, perhaps a different kind of ethical structure within banking and finance in the future. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think certainly we see that in banking. We see that in, in political life now with, with many people asking Gordon Brown, you know, among others, to apologize for some of the policies that have been happening in the past, uh, which he may be responsible for. And people, they, they really feel they, that they want him to, to say something. Um, and not just say it, but also to, to somehow believe it, I think. And it's the same with the banking community. And, uh, and it's the same at any level, I think. People, if, if people are not delivering or they are um, falling down on their commitments, people want to see not only just the words of shame or the words of uh, apology, but also some kind of action towards reparation. Dr. Philip Stiles, Director of the Judge Business School's Centre for International Human Resource Management. Thank you for talking to our podcast series today on white papers. And in the future, let's have less pride and more shame in the workplace. (laughs) Thank you very much, Bonnie. Thank you.